The views and opinions expressed on Unlock Your Wealth Radio are those of the host, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the views of Unlock Your Wealth Radio, Heather Wagonalls, or Success Publishing International. More willpower than a barefoot woman at a shoe sale. Able to stretch a single paycheck for an entire month. Makes money concepts easier than third grade math. Introducing your purveyor of prosperity, Heather Wagonall. Work all day, stress all night. Take your mind off your money and focus on your life. Money don't matter for the stuff it bought. It's the way you think, not what you've got, yeah. Unlock Your Wealth Radio starts now. Get your money mind right with our sponsor of audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at unlockyourwealthradio.com forward slash free book and click on the link to over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's for this coming new year as we celebrate it here at the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation. I am your purveyor of prosperity, Heather Wagonhalls, and I am flanked by the maestro of moolah, Michael Terry. Hey, folks. And we are going to bring you our best of show today. We are so excited as we have our extra week this leap year. We have an extra show. So our bonus show is going to go back through some of our more significant interviews. And so we have selected uh, this fine round of handsome men. And I'm going to be sexist because I can, because I'm a girl. So we have all male interviews. But then we'll let Michael do another show where he could pick all the chick interviews. So we'll go the other way and we'll have the chick chicks of Unlock Your Wealth, and but this time we're having the dudes of Unlock yeah, Your Wealth. Yeah, yeah. That's good. <laughs> so we have four great interviews for you that uh, we're going to reprise from past seasons, and uh, I'm so excited because... We were talking about who had some significant impact this year. And so uh, most recently, we had Steve Forbes, and we um, got to hang out with him yet again at Freedom Fest, and we talked about building wealth and uh, financial freedom and the importance of uh, having political and personal freedom in order to gain financial freedom. So we had a lovely discussion about that, which we'll bring up on today's show. Larry Wingett, my neighbor, he we lived just, you know, two streets away from each other. Um, he is an incredible author. You're broke because you want to be. Your kids are your own damn fault. And your favorite? Um, grow a Pair. <laughs> yes. And so we talked about his latest book, Grow a Pair. And so that was Michael's contribution to the list. Uh, always our world's most irritational speaker. We've got Larry Wingett on today. And then as we thought about hardship, overcoming challenges, tough luck turned into great luck because of intestinal fortitude. Who do we have but our My Pillow fellow, Mike Lindell? And so we have his interview. And as always, because real estate is my bag, baby, we interview before his first season launches on Million Dollar Listing in San Francisco. We have Ro Habibi on today's show. So I'm so excited to bring these interviews to you. So uh, sit back, relax. There are no lessons. There are no keys this week because, again, we're outside of our key platform. And so I thought... Why don't we take a break from Moolah Awards, too? So this is just pure oh, yeah. entertainment this week. Yeah. What do you think? Sounds great. 
Outstanding. So let's uh, let's bring up our first interview, shall we? So Larry Winget is known as our world's most irritational speaker, and uh, he is our unconventional guy. Instead of just going out and getting people excited about things, he likes to tell things like they are. So let's take a listen to his latest installment here at Unlock Your Wealth Radio as a returning guest, and as he talks about his new or latest book, which was Grow a Pair. Welcome to the show, Larry. Hey, I appreciate you having me. Thanks. It's so good to have you back again. And I'm so excited because I've been watching your Facebook contest. Let's talk about Grow Up Hair. How did you come up with that title? You know, I write good books, but I write great titles. When you start off with Shut Up, Stop Whining, and Get a Life as my first bestseller, and that we've gone all the way through the cycle of you broke because you want to be. Your kids are your own fault. People are idiots, and I can prove it. And now we're in the grow up there. You know, when I write a book, it's always because I look at society and I look at what's going on in our country and in the news and so forth, and it bothers me. So I write about whatever is bothering me most at the time. And what bothered me most, and the reason I wrote this book, is I think we've become this country that is full of wimps and weenies, and we've become a society of victims and entitled, and we need to learn what what we stand for and understand what we believe in and stand up for it and speak up for it and get off the government dole and relying on other people and learn again to stand on our own two feet. That is so well said. You know, I remember my grandfather used to say, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Yep. And I just, I keep th- hearing that resonating in my head. And we have whitewashed, for, for lack of a better term, the only thing I can think of is we have whitewashed our society. You know, we can't call illegal aliens, illegal aliens anymore. We have to call them undocumented workers. And the more we sanitize and whitewash things, the less we can deal with them. But these angers and resentments are just, they just continue to grow. Well, that's all that political correctness. And I really blame political correctness as being one of the most castrating things that ever happened to our society. And certainly it starts with our language, and our language has changed and softened. Um, you, You can't say the truth anymore and get by with it. I watched a woman the other day on television crying and sobbing that her friends had called her a liar. She said, that's not fair. I will admit that I am truth challenged. Truth challenge. What? That's a new one for me. <laughs> yeah, truth challenge. Listen, lady, if you're not telling the truth, you're nothing but a damn liar. That's what it comes down to. And it's fair to call somebody a liar. And if it hurts their feelings, good. We need to step on a few toes again to wake people up to where we are. I agree with you wholeheartedly. When I accused somebody of lying, they're like, no, I just didn't say anything. And I'm like, well, withholding the truth, if you know it to be different, is a lie. Yeah, but lying by omission uh, is just as guilty, believe me. And yeah, that, that's just a simple example. This stuff is everywhere. In, in Australia, they don't let uh, Santa Claus say ho, 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 because we all know what a ho is. Yes. Santa Claus has to say ha, ha, ha. Seriously. Oh, That's serious? how silly it is. 
No, I'm not making that up. Oh you can't gosh. make this stupidity up. So when you take this entitled society who loves to play the victim, it's never their fault, it's always someone else's fault or something's fault, and you couple that with political correctness and this I'm special mentality, you end up with the disaster we have that has become our society. Why do you think we've backslid so far? Is it accountability or something else? Well, people will get by with everything they can get by with. That is human nature. We all get by with everything we can get by with. And we have allowed people to get by with way too much and not forced accountability. It started in our own families. We didn't force our children to be accountable. Our parents were not raised that way. Our parents were held to be accountable, and they lived through the Depression, and it was hard on them. And then they said, I'm going to make sure it's easier for my children, and they did not do us. Uh, any good by putting us in that position. They should have been harder on us. And then we should have been harder on our kids because then we ended up with the Occupy movement because we never forced our kids to be responsible for anything. So I say it started with the families. Well, congratulations to yet another bestseller to your credit. I am so excited about our next interview we're going to feature today because this is, if you like white glove client service, brilliant marketing strategies, and meticulous business practices, as well as record-breaking sales deals, then the Habibi Group is one of the top producing and most recognized real estate names in the San Francisco Bay Area today. And that is our next guest, headed by Ro Habibi. He is an industry leader and star of the number one real estate television show in the world, Million Dollar Listing San Francisco on Bravo TV, viewed by 25 million people in 140 countries. And we catch him right before the debut of his first season. So let's welcome Ro to the show. We're so glad to have you on Unlock Your Wealth Radio. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, I hope I could be of some benefit. How did you come to real estate? That's a good question. I'm, I'm doubting myself for doing it. <laughs> I was actually working for J.P. Morgan Chase. I did finance. So um, I did grad school at Berkeley, and I did financial planning and wealth management. So I was working over there. I was doing asset under management, um, you know, fixed annuities. I have all my series licenses. And I was going into work too many days just unhappy. Um, not really spring fulfilled at the end of the day when I laid my head on my pillow at night to go to sleep thinking, you know, what did I really do today? Um, you know, how did I contribute to society? How did I contribute to the bigger objectives and building bank balances just kind of wasn't it for me. So I decided to take the leap of faith in, uh, April of 2012 and begin a career in real estate. I got my, my broker's license back in 2010, so I knew that I wanted to explore real estate at one point in time. I just came to the point where it was it was time for me to just make a change because, you know, you'd ideally want to make a, a career change earlier on so you could figure out whether it would work for you or not versus, you know, later on. So it was, it was the right time for me, and I, I took the leap of faith and did it. So, Ro, what do you like best about real estate as an investment since you have made all sorts of investments as a previous wealth manager? That's a very good question. Um, you know what? I think Carnegie said it best. He said 90% of millionaires did so through real estate. It's still the safest and most reliable way to build wealth. Um, I'm a big fan of that concept. Real estate is a tangible asset. 
it's something that you take IRS depreciation on, depreciation on for residential. It's about 27 and a half years. For commercial, it's 39 years. And there's four other ways of, of getting equity through real estate property and a transaction. One, we could think of it as like sweat equity, whereas if you purchase a property, you put a couple bucks into it and, and you fix up the place, you're going to make money that way. The second way is, of course, if you pay down the mortgage. The third way is property appreciation. Uh, I mean, historically, I mean, you look anywhere in the nation five years ago, the property was worth a certain price five years later. Today, it's worth a completely different price and most of the time a higher price. And the fourth way, which is, is something that definitely good investors take advantage of, is you could take a loan out on a property. So for most people that are definitely trying to build wealth, they have multiple streams of income. If you have a tangible asset real estate property that you could take $250,000 out on, you could use that money towards your next investment, which you could use towards your next investment. And, and the power of compounding, you know, inevitably is going to make you be able to purchase your dream home and live your dream life. I think one of my favorite to add on to those that you have just enumerated is the best part about leveraging yourself is somebody else builds your wealth for you. You just have to be willing to assume the risk. And you know, it's not even that much risk. You're always going to be able to find a renter. Exactly. People always need somewhere to live. And, and something that I pride myself on is I'm in the shelter business. That's what I do for a living. I provide shelter. You need food, water, and shelter to survive. And I'm in the shelter business. It can't get any better than that. I know. You are on the first level of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So that's totally perfect. <laughs> you, you, that, was, that was a great strategy, by the way. And that's the one thing when people always say, well, why should I invest in real estate? Isn't it risky? And I'm like, I don't know. Don't people always need a place to live? Absolutely. There's, it's one of those things where no matter who you are, no matter where you are in the world, no matter what amount of finances you have or don't have, you always are going to need a place to live. So that means someone that possibly invested in real estate is going to be able to rent a property out to you. Or, you know, you could take time and effort to save up for a down payment and you could buy a property and you do the same thing. Exactly. And you know what? People didn't realize while the market was crashing down around them and there were foreclosures going up all over the place is that most people were completely unaware of the fact that rental rates stayed consistent or they increased because of the shortage of rental inventory while everything else was being foreclosed on. Those properties were taken out of both the purchase and the rental market. So it kind of squeezed and compressed the market and it made it very profitable to be an investor during the crappy time of the market. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, I think it's probably the most ideal time for anyone that had cash on hand. Those are the people that made out with, with an extreme amount of wealth. If you were able to buy foreclosures either at auction or the courthouse steps or, you know, for basically 20 to 40 percent discount than what they were worth, I, I would say that's a pretty good investment from any perspective. Let's real quick, because we're running here out of time. What is the best way for a person? What would you recommend they do to get started to prepare themselves for that first piece of property they need to buy? What do they need to be looking out for? Well, first, they need to be disciplined. In order to be able to save up a 20% down payment on a piece of property, you have to 
be able to do without some things that you were used to having. You might have to stop going out to eat so much. You might have to, you know, maybe not do as many vacations as you were doing before. It, it takes discipline in order to get that 20% down because if you're working a regular nine to five job and you have all these other bills and things to take advantage, you know, take care of, it's hard for you to save that type of money. So you have to be very disciplined when it comes to your spending habits. And, and inevitably at one point or another, you're going to be able to save that 20% down. And then you could go ahead and take that, that leap of faith and buy that property. That's outstanding advice. And if folks want to get a taste of the good life and see what you do on your television show, where can folks find you, Ro? You can find me on Google. Just go ahead and Google my name, R-O-H, and my last name is Habibi, H-A-B as in boy, I, B as in boy, I. Through that, you'll find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all over the web. And I would love to hear from each and every single one of you. Please send me emails. Let me know how you're feeling about what's going on in the market. If you need any help with buying or selling, I'm always here. Our next interview should help you sleep a little better at night. Mike Lindell is the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, Inc., the Minnesota-based business. was started in 2004 and has sold more than 10 million MyPillows. He started the business in his garage in Carver. Tired of not ever sleeping well, he set out to design a pillow that would help him sleep, and he is here to tell his story on that journey to success. So let's welcome Mike Lindell to the show. Thanks, Heather. It's great to be here. I love talking to entrepreneurs and inventors. And what you're probably, what most of us are recognizing you for is your MyPillow. But this isn't your first foray into entrepreneurialism, is it? No, I started, I haven't worked for anybody since I was in my early 20s. And and I had a carpet cleaning business. Uh, my sister had flooded a third-story apartment with a water bed. And I, and in the cleanup, I thought, wow, there's a need for this. So it was kind of a lot of my stuff. And then I had a lunch wagon business. And I, I've had a couple different other businesses. But it's always been out of problem solution, you know, for my own. And I'm going, wow, there's a need for that, you know. Mm-hmm. So what made you decide that you weren't employee material and that you should be working for yourself? Well, I didn't like... Um, with the employer that I had back then, I worked at a grocery store and I worked at a drive-in movie theater and especially the grocery store, I had my own ideas and I go, and you know, he, he came up the famous comment, well, if you don't like it, buy your own grocery store, you know, and that type of thing. And it was, uh, it was just like, you know, so many things as an employee that I wanted to that I really wanted to have, and, and even my own business in my own company now with my you know 700 and some employees, every one of them, I put myself in their position, what I wanted to see with an employer. And so I wanted to be that employer. I wanted to, I just thought that I could, I had the ideas that, you know what, I want to, I want to be in control of my own um, destiny. And I enjoyed it. Many people are fearful of entrepreneurialism and they're afraid, well, what if I fail? What if I, I, I don't do well? Did you, what were any kind of hesitations you had about that? Or was your ideas so overwhelming that there wasn't any concern about failing? No, I'll tell you, you get, you know, that's the, I think that's the biggest reason that entrepreneur, entrepreneurs and ideas don't ever get off the floor is out of fear. 
they fear that if they, you know, they fear the fear of failure. And, you know, I had, I didn't have a skill when I went into my pillow, you know, so many people out there have ideas and they still have a skill. So they have nothing to lose. Go out there and go all in. And if you, you have a safety net, you can always go back to what you were doing. I didn't have that with my pillow. And I spent, I spent two years inventing my pillow. Uh, and by the time it was, it was ready for, uh, you know, I'm going to bring it to retail or bring it out there in the market. I was shut shut out everywhere. And at that time, it was scary because I had nothing to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you started out as an entrepreneur going from working drive-ins and, and grocery stores, there wasn't any time for you to really build a specific skill. Right. No, I didn't have a specific skill, so I couldn't, uh, if I failed, there's no safety net. It's, uh, you know what, you better, you're going to be, uh, and there were a lot of scary times with, like, you know, with, when I was way in debt and I'm going, wow, if I had to go be a dishwasher for, you know, for whatever, an hour, I'd be paying it off the rest of my life, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So that kind of wasn't an option. Right, right. So it's like, you know, for for an entrepreneur, you know, most of them, most people have a skill to fall back on, but they're still afraid for some reason to, to just jump all in, you know. And I didn't have that fear. I just did. I just did it, and it came naturally because I've always done it that way. Right. So you're an idea man. So what led you to go from? Uh, the carpet cleaning business into your next business? Was it you had another idea or did you actually experience some business challenges? I mean, what made you decide to switch? Yeah, it was another problem that that I seen. It was um, um, actually it was a lunch way where it delivered food to people's businesses. But they, uh, when it got into, and then I actually had my own, I was an entrepreneur. I had my own bars and my own bars and restaurants that I, um, you know, and I never used a bank, so I had, I got them on contract for deed, and I, you know, built them up, and I was in that business, and then the pillow was kind of like, it was such a big problem in my personal life of sleep, where pillows would go flat, I'd use my arm, my neck would be sore, in the morning I'd have headaches, and, and I wanted something that wasn't out there that I could adjust and make the pillow fit me. And so that was basically the original idea was out of my own necessity. My whole life, I had was an endless search for a pillow that actually worked, and um, and that was um, you know that was an all in too. But but to answer your question, to go from one thing to another was yeah, I would see another need or see another opportunity, and I just um, I would go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always refer to some of the 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 job changes that I had made as like career ADD. Like I felt like I maxed out where I was or I would just start to get bored or the satisfaction level would go away. And then I would kind of find something else that would kind of catch my interest. I'd be like, oh, squirrel. (laughs) And then I would go over there, you know, because like, you know, I felt like I couldn't make any more difference in that particular area that I was in. And that's what made me transfer. So I kind of had career ADD all around like financial services and banking and finance. And I think that that served me well. Right. And that's the same way. If I, if I, I don't have a lot of time to tell you all that, but there was, that was very similar to me where I, you know, I got out of the bar business for, there was a specific reason I got out of that. And and it was a, coincided with the same time I wanted to, you know, invent this pillow but, you know, and I had just a little money, maybe had, a, you know, 
um, some money from the sale of the bars, but after work, after not working, just diving in on the pillow, I was completely broke um, about a year and a half later, you know, so it was, um, you know, because going all in and just putting everything I had, I wasn't working a side job that was bringing in any money, you know. I want every customer to be treated the same way I would want to be treated, where you go back in time where your handshake was your word, and that means so much to me. That's why I have all my own, you know, everything in my pillow is made in the USA here, and it's and all my uh, my customers, my customer service and call center is right outside my door. Well, that's exciting. Thank you so much for being a part of Unlock Your Wealth Radio. And our final interview for this season and this year, wrapping up our special uh, year in review or the men. What did I say? What did I call this? The men of Unlock Your Wealth Radio this season. (laughs) The dudes Uh, dudes of UYW Radio. And uh, we're going to close out with Steve Forbes. And what more, if you don't know the name then you're um you're in serious trouble if you yeah, don't know yeah, the name yeah. i i don't know what else to say uh you haven't been living in this century uh because the forbes family has left quite a mark on america and steve continues that legacy in addition to forbes's magazine he also is the um spokesperson for freedom fest uh-huh. and uh he's also my favorite dance partner there well, him and Jeffrey Tucker, actually, he's another one. But uh, yeah, so Steve Forbes, my favorite dance partner, has an amazing view about personal, political and financial freedom. And we had a, just a tremendous time this year as we grow and get to know each other better. And we had an amazing interview here as well as on Unlock Your Wealth TV. And this is so awesome. I just wanted to make sure that we sent out... Our last message on a high note for 2016, as we say farewell to 2016 and hello 2017. So please welcome Steve Forbes to today's broadcast. Heather Wagonall's here, host of Unlock Your Wealth Radio and Unlock Your Wealth TV. We are broadcasting live from Freedom Fest, and I have none other than our ambassador, Mr. Steve Forbes. Steve, welcome to Unlock Your Wealth Radio. Good to be with you. Thank you. I am so excited. I want you to know that I had voted for you. You were my guy way back when. I'm glad you did. I just wish there were more of you and wish you uh, followed the Chicago example and voted more than once. Yes. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, I'm from Phoenix. We hadn't caught on to that game yet. <laughs> But we have our own challenges with illegal immigration voting. So, but anyhow, I uh, I have always read your magazine. I started out super poor. You have that bright look about you. So. <laughs> well, thank you. And uh, and so I was always inspired. I wanted to be on your list. Now, with the challenges that we face in America, both politically and economically, is it still possible to start out and make your own way and become independently wealthy? I think the opportunities now are almost more than ever. Uh, We've had a blockage in the last uh, few years because of policy errors. Those things will be changed. And as those blockages are removed, you'll see huge opportunities, particularly in the field of health care. We're going to move from third-party payer to patient control. When you have that, you're going to get a real market and a real boom. 
That's awesome. What do you think the biggest challenge Americans have uh, when it comes to building wealth? I mean, outside of excessive taxation. <laughs> well, taxation, taxation, taxation. It's like a real estate location, location, location. Uh, also, though, uh, with what the Federal Reserve has done in terms of uh, an unstable dollar that's hurt opportunities for credit for small and new businesses. So that's been an artificial blockage. But uh, those those things will be changed. And then, uh, then you'll see uh, people have opportunities. There'll be capital availability. And uh, with our tax changes that I see coming, capital will be flowing into this country like a flood. Outstanding. That's so good to hear. If you could share one piece of personal financial advice for somebody who's struggling and maybe losing hope, their faith is uh, worn because they haven't been able to get a job or one that they got in their degree and now they've got mountains of school debt and you can't erase it with bankruptcy. It survives bankruptcy. So how does somebody keep the faith and, and what what one tip could you give them to stay engaged? Well, if they're young, my goodness, uh, they could uh, sell that to somebody like me. I'd pay up for it, that kind of youth. But seriously, uh, the key thing is with a job, especially if you're coming out of college, you don't get the kind of job you think you should have. One, see it as your postgraduate work. When you go work for a, a company, try to see it. What are they doing right? What are they doing wrong? What are you learning about how they put together teams, how they do management? So it's not just a job. It's your postgraduate work on the job training. Outstanding. And then in terms of uh, figuring out what you want to do, uh, don't be shy about experimenting. If something doesn't work, fine. But you may find you go into something and maybe uh, like you have with food. It may be an acquired taste. You never thought you'd be uh, interested in this area, but you grow into it. And it's never over till it's over, as Yogi Berra said. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us here on thank Unlock you. Your Wealth Radio. And for Steve Forbes, I'm Heather Wagonhalls. Now go out and unlock your wealth today. And that's it for this show, this season, and this year, Miguel. I can't believe we're here yep. at the end, finally. Yeah. Well, we will look forward. We will be get ready, get your pencils ready to take notes, because next week, we're back in the saddle. Brand new season, brand new year, brand new topics, and we're kicking off the season with Dr. Joel Wade, our resident expert, master of happiness, teaching you how to become more fulfilled for 2017. Thanks so much for stopping by. For the maestro of moolah, Michael Terry, I'm Heather Wagonhalls. Now go out and unlock your wealth today. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com is produced by Heather Wagonhalls and the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com and its affiliates are copyrighted 2016 with all rights reserved. For more information on the Keys to Riches Financial Wellness Series, please visit our website at www.unlockyourwealth.com.